read about the program, heard about it, talked to the director. I was like, I'm sold. Like, this is my path in life. <laughs> so I ended up getting into the program. It was the best Christmas gift I've probably ever gotten, and it completely changed my life. But yeah, it was something that I just fell into. And even once I got into the Bandier program, I still didn't know what sector of the music industry I wanted to go into. So that was trial and error over like a six-year process. But yeah, it was through the Bandia program that I really just kind of found my love for the music industry. And it's really just kind of been history since then. I think the music industry, when we kind of think about it, I think if you're not in it, you're like, okay, so I know maybe from shows and books and stuff. Okay, obviously the performers yeah. and the band. And, okay, maybe I've heard of the producer and then the record executive, although the record executive is kind of a changing, yeah. evolving position because of streaming. <laughs> I would love to just kind of hear your, why did you, you know, I know that you're a tour manager. How did you kind of come about to be a tour manager? Again, people kind of maybe have heard of a tour manager, but what exactly oh, is that yeah. position? What do they do? Oh, my gosh, that's a really good question because that was something that I didn't really know about and it actually was one of the jobs that I didn't really learn all that much about through the Bandia program. We learned about touring and what it takes to get an artist on tour and all of those kind of things but actually having a tour manager come and speak to us wasn't something that I had experienced. So a tour manager, what they do is they handle everything that an artist needs to get onto the road to have the tour they're executing everything that needs to be done from handling logistics, booking all of the hotels or lodging of any sort that an artist and their entire crew needs, making sure that all the transportation is booked in advance, whether it's going to be a fly date tour where everything is, you know, airplanes or we're needing a tour bus or it's a smaller run where we just need a sprinter van or maybe we need just an SUV. So it's making sure that all of the logistics are in place so that we can have a successful tour. It's doing all of the planning around those things. So I'm communicating with each venue, whether that's a two-month tour where we're doing, you know, 60 different venues. So I'm communicating with all 60 of those venues and their teams, the, the marketing team. I'm communicating with security. I'm talking to the production manager so they know exactly what the set is going to look like. They know how long our set is. They know how many people are going to be on our crew, what the artist needs for food. I'm asking them what food is in the surrounding areas, if there's any rules for the venue. It's top down, figuring out absolutely everything that needs to happen from an artist and the crew being fed to where they're going to lay their heads to, you know, how the show is going to run and just making sure that everything is in place so that a tour can go off without a hitch and it can be a successful run so that the artist is completely confident that they can just have a great show and they don't need to focus on anything else other than their voice and making sure that their audience, their fans have a great time. The tour manager just makes sure that absolutely everything is taken care of before a tour, during a tour, and after a tour so that the artist can have a great time, connect with their fans, hopefully get more fans to become a part of their tribe and earn money. So I'm the one that's making sure everyone is safe and just everyone knows exactly what is going on. But again, tour management was something that I fell into as well through trial and error, a lot of different internships. And it's such a rewarding job, but it is a lot. It is a 24-7 kind of job, especially when you're on the road. But it's, it's really, really rewarding, and I love it. It's fun, but 
a lot of organization is required and a lot of communication is required in order for a tour to be successful. Yeah, I almost am baffled how they did it all without email <laughs> back in the day. I don't know. And cell phones, doing it with just landlines and just notebooks, <laughs> I'm guessing, right? <laughs> Mail, literally, I can't imagine yeah. people mailing back and forth to get all this communication done. It's, it's probably just a day of things. So those tour managers back in the day probably just had much longer days, whereas at the crack of dawn, they're showing up to the venue and letting everyone know the day of what to expect versus my job where we have phones and we're doing the, it's called advancing. So I'm doing the advanced process of communication months, weeks ahead of these shows happening. So yeah, beauty of technology. I want to touch on something you mentioned with internships because I know, and I mean, look, whatever career you're going into, an internship is gives experience, gives connections. It helps you figure out also what you may want to pursue. Can you share some of your internship experience, what you learned, and how that kind of helped guide you to the tour management? For me, it was kind of trial by fire type of thing. I tried so many different internships before I eventually ended up finding just the tour and the live world of the music industry. So the first internship, I actually, it was through my mother (laughs) that I got the internship. I was home in Atlanta during, I think it was my freshman summer. We were out eating at the food truck festival thing, and there was a DJ playing. I was dancing the whole time, and my mom was like, you should go up and talk to her and see if she needs assistance or like an intern or anything. So I ended up talking to this woman. Uh, Her name was DJ Ross Sirius, and I just asked her, hey, I really love what you're doing. I just started this music program at Syracuse, and we're supposed to do one internship every summer. And she was elated that I even approached her to tell her that I enjoyed her music and wanted to help her out. So the first internship I had was working with DJ Ross Sirius. Literally, she was a vinyl DJ as well. So I would help her carry her crates of vinyl to her different sets all around Atlanta. It was a wild summer, but it was great. And then another internship that I had was working as a security guard at festivals throughout the South. That was an absolutely insane summer. But the first internship that I got paid to do, and it required a lot of traveling. So it was kind of my first taste of what touring would be like without even realizing it. Yeah, that was just a wild summer. I was all throughout the South. I'll never forget, I did this festival in Alabama Shores, and it was just crazy because I was, I'm 5'7", but my sophomore year, I was just like this kid in college I did not look like a security guard I thought who's gonna take me seriously but I had so much fun that summer and I did that job with some other friends of mine so it was just funny it was hilarious and then my junior year summer I worked for a publishing company in New York City called Sony ATV and that was a really amazing experience as well but through that experience I realized I don't really want to work in publishing publishing is such an important part of the music industry that a lot of people don't know about so I'm glad I got that knowledge but it's so technical you're dealing with songs and percentages and getting music synced so a music sync is like getting music in the background of a commercial or in TV or film and I was just like this is a lot of paperwork this is a lot of data it's a very data driven part of the industry so I was like I don't know about this because it's a lot of desk work. And another internship I had my junior year, I did study abroad in London, and I worked for a producer at a studio in London called Storm Studios. So I was an assistant to one of the producers. Production is not for me as well. You're in studios all day, dark rooms, dealing with the mixing board. And it was a lot. So I was like, okay, I think I'm reeling out. 
production. I don't think I'm going to do this. And then my senior year, the internship I had was being an assistant for a booking agent, and it was called Creative Concerts. And that was when I really got exposed to tour managers, artists being on tour because the Creative Concerts promotion company did the booking for almost all of the venues in Syracuse. And if anyone listening to this knows about Syracuse, New York, it's a very small town. It's closer to Canada than it is to New York City. And I got so much experience just learning about booking agents, what they do, running a venue, working in the box office. So I was like, this is the internship that I had that was closest to where I wanted to go. And I was like, I can see myself just being in this space, seeing concerts, putting them together. So that was really my experience. I think it's important to just try as many sectors of the industry as possible, and that will help you figure out what you want to do if you're not one of those people that I'm in high school, I know exactly, like I want to be a, a record executive or what have you. If you are not sure, trial and error is definitely the advice I would give to anyone trying to figure it out. What has been one of your most favorite concert or tour experiences that you've had so far in your career? That's a good question. One of my favorites. I think one of my favorites was definitely the first time that I was given the opportunity to be on tour. I was a tour manager for a guy named Deontay Hitchcock, who actually just put out a new album this year and just did his first headlining tour. I was his tour manager, and it was actually through my mentor, Chris Patterson, that I met when I was working for Creative Concerts in Syracuse, who was managing Deontay Hitchcock at the time. And he gave me the, my first opportunity to ever go on tour. It was definitely me just being thrown into the wild, but... Deontay was support for Rhapsody on her headlining tour, Layla's Wisdom, which was a Grammy-nominated album. It was absolutely insane. I was like, how did I even get this opportunity? It was straight out of college. It was winter 2017. So I just remember meeting everyone on our team, Deontay Hitchcock, Brandon, Few, Kenneth, Jaye, Troya, like, the entire team that surrounded Deontay Hitchcock, like the day that tour started, I was like, hi guys, I'm the tour manager. <laughs> and it was just crazy. We drove from Atlanta to New York City to do the first show. And I just drove the entire way. I knew I had it in me because I had driven from Atlanta to Syracuse. But I would say that experience doing those shows, just living with people that I didn't know, making shows happen almost every night, meeting new people, getting to know Rhapsody and her team and the other artists that were a part of it was definitely the first really incredible experience that I had in my career as a tour manager. And it just fueled my fire to just continue going. I was just like, I need to do more of this. This is finally the right fit for me. This feels really aligned. And what's been one of the biggest challenges you've had so far? Ooh, that's definitely, <laughs> that's a good one. I would say when it comes to challenges, it's more personal than professional that I've experienced. Professionally, I would say the challenge is I'm a black woman that's a tour manager, and it's definitely a very white male-dominated industry, just like live music across the board. So me walking in and being in charge of an entire team, folks would often ask who's the tour manager, and I'm like, it's me, guys. It's me. So I would say that was a personal or a professional challenge, and it was kind of a personal one as well when I first started out. But the main challenges that I've faced are really personal because I, I knew going into it, like, this is not a place where I've, I've ever even met another Black woman tour manager for years. So I was just like, okay, this is just what it is. I'm mentally prepared to go into those things. But 
on a personal level, a lot of people that I know, including myself, were single for a really long time, just because you're constantly traveling, you're in different time zones all the time, you're tired, it's really long days. So I think being single was a challenge for a while, and you just don't sit still. So another challenge is burnout for a lot of people that work in this industry, because it's just go, go, go. I almost experienced burnout. If it wasn't for the p pandemic, I would have burnt out because I had done four tours back to back to back and I had other tours lined up. I was on tour when the pandemic broke out. I will never forget. It was Friday the 13th, March 2020. And we had one more show. I was actually tour managing Rhapsody. So it was literally like a full circle moment as well. But I would say, yeah, personal life, having one <laughs> gets really hard as a tour manager, making sure that you don't get burnout. So you're really making sure that you're taking care of your mental health, that you take breaks that you need to. And I would say the last big challenge that a lot of folks face that I faced is learning how to deal with stress. Because if something goes wrong on tour, especially for your crew, whether you are the tour manager for the headlining artist or you're the tour manager for the support or the direct support act, if something goes wrong, everyone is looking to you you are the person that has to solve the problem, that has to make sure that we keep moving, that the show goes on, that we get to the next city. So making sure that you have the tools to be able to just create pockets of peace for yourself every day, whenever you need to, and, and just know that it's all about perspective. Stress is a temporary thing. You can get through it, take a breath, and let's come up with a solution. I think that applies across the board for anybody. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yes. As adults, you have to figure it out. Just as people, you have to be able to handle stress and just figure out how to create peace for yourself, what makes you happy and keeps you grounded. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. This episode of the Girls That Create podcast is brought to you by the Girls That Create website, where we provide parenting resources for raising creative girls while also encouraging greater female representation across the arts. Visit us at www.girlsthatcreate.com, where you'll find articles by some of our podcast guests, including Dr. Michelle Borba, Jessica Leahy, Renee Trudeau, and many more. You can also sign up for the Girls That Create newsletter at www.girlsthatcreate.com slash newsletter. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. Hi, everyone. Erin here. I want to give a shout out to our Word of Mom Radio sister show, Be Our Planet's Solution. Hosted by Tanya Torellis, the show focuses on all the impactful ways people and businesses are being green. There's only one Earth. Listen to Be Our Planet's Solution to discover how others are working to protect it and learn what we can all do for this amazing planet. Don't let the name fool you. StadiumBags.com is not just 
for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag so you know you come home safely. So check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back with the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. My guest today is tour manager Felicia Bennett. I know you and I spoke previously about your experience a little bit, and you mentioned COVID-2020. You were international, right, during that? And you had to make sure, you had to figure out how to get everyone home was the big thing. Oh, my gosh. So I was actually, I had just started managing an artist, and management was, there was two jobs while I was in, at Syracuse that I was like, oh, I've learned about these two jobs, and these are two things I know I do not want to do <laughs> in the music industry. One was working for a record label, and the second was being a manager. <laughs> and I ended up falling into management at the end of 2019 after I had gotten off of tour with Ari Lennox and... I had connected with one of my friends from high school that was living in LA and I met up with her while we were doing our show in LA and she asked me if I would manage her. So I was actually directing her tour in 2020. She was in Australia and New Zealand while I was on tour in the States with Rhapsody. It was just so much going on because of the time zones, helping her out, making sure that she and her team was really good and then making sure Rhapsody and our entire crew was good because I was the tour manager for the headliner. So I had to figure out flights, making sure that they could get out of Australia before things started really shutting down. So that was definitely one of the crazy experiences of my career. Everything ended up working out fine. We got them, the whole team out. Thankfully, it wasn't a huge team, but yeah, it's a constant juggling act. It really is. So I know that you obviously still go on tour and, you know, work as a tour manager, but then you also have your own business, and yes. which is Get, Get a Room Production. Can you tell me about your business, what inspired you to start it, and what its purpose is? Of course, yes. So Get A Room Productions is my tour management company, and I've branched into tour education as well. It started in 2017 before I, I had started tour management seriously. So it started as an event company. I had a lot of friends growing up in Atlanta that were artists and because I had gone to Syracuse and learned about the business side of the music industry and moved back to Atlanta, I was just constantly getting questions from my friends about, you know, how they should be marketing their music, how they should be putting together shows and just reaching their fans. So I was like, okay, I should just start putting together showcases so I can get my friends on stages, in rooms, in front of their audiences, helping them connect with new fans. So I started throwing these parties called Skip Monday in Atlanta because all of us were trying to figure out our careers at that point, but we all just, you know, the dreaded Monday, the Sunday scaries, all of that stuff. So I was like, I'm going to start throwing parties on Sundays. We're going to get folks out, energized for their week ahead, and it kind of just became a, a thing. So I ended up registering the company in 2019 officially, and it just became this tour management kind of entity, I might as well do all of the work that I do under this company, Get A Room Production, funnel all the money that I'm making through there. And that's kind of how everything started. So yeah, it's been a really, really interesting just run. My dad is one of my biggest role models in life. He's a business owner. 
very successful one. So he's helped me out a lot. And I think it's just really important for women, especially women of color, to understand businesses and we can do it. It does take a lot to run a business because I'm still the only person that's working for Get A Room Productions. Everything that happens is through me. So it's really just been such a rewarding experience. But yeah, I, I really want to expose more women, women of color to tour management because there's just a lack of us in this industry. And I am really passionate about just helping artists level up, become educated, helping them get on tour and just being able to connect with their audiences and, and being their, help them become their most authentic self as, as an artist. So that's what Get A Room Productions is all about. You know, in music, you always see a lot of the example of an artist becomes more and more successful and the music is wonderful, but they don't understand that they need to take care of that business side of things, yes. that they need to have people who advocate for them and not take advantage of them. Yes. And why that's so important to make sure who you think about who you're surrounding yourself with. Mm -hmm. Yes, I couldn't agree more because I'm just, that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to work for a record label, just historically so many artists were taken advantage of by labels, by managers that didn't care about them. It was just all about the money. So I think it's really important that we do have education around these things and people that have good intentions, making sure that you build a really good, solid foundation as an artist, as someone that just works in this business, especially if you own your own business. The education part is something that you cannot you can't skip over. Like it, it's essential in order for you to have longevity in your career, period. Do you think that with the internet and with everything online, you know, I think back about old school music industry and there was such a gatekeeper mentality. There still is a little bit, but I feel at least some of that's been chipped away because of artists being able to reach their audiences without having to worry about the gatekeepers. You're not now beholden to the radio playing your music and that's the only way people are going to hear that song or you're not beholden to, you know, only certain ones booking. Like you said, you could actually as an artist create your own line of shows, figure out how to go on a mini tour in a sense. And I would just love to hear your thoughts about that shift. And if you're kind of seeing it more and more going that direction as people are taking ownership of their personal platforms. Yes, I actually have loved to see this, especially during the pandemic. Technology has taken the music industry to a whole new place. It's a whole new industry, essentially. And I think it really is kind of a twofold thing. There are pros, there are cons to this, but I think we as consumers have more access to artists and the artists that we love more than ever. I think there's more education. There's a lot more transparency because of this as well. And there's a lot more opportunities that exist in the music industry for everyone across the board, whether you want to work on the business side or you want to be an artist. So I think the access is something that is key to really just moving the needle forward in the industry. But I also think, conversely, the industry is a lot more data-driven than it's ever been before. Everything is a numbers game. How many followers do you have? Like, what do your sales look like? How many streams do you have? You know, that kind of dictates certain things, how you'll be developed, who wants to partner with you. You know, if a management team wants to take you on or if a manager wants to work with you or if a label wants to sign you or not. So I think it is definitely kind of two sides of a coin. So it's being able to find that balance. And as an artist, figure out what works best for you. But I think having access as an artist to your fan base directly is something that has completely changed the game in the best way possible. But it's all about finding that balance because 
it was interesting to see things play out during the pandemic, how these artists were on live all of the time, you know, singing to us, rapping to us. We were in their homes. We were interacting with them, like literally face to face. It was insane. Well, you know, through the screen, you're, you're meeting their kids, their dogs, like you're completely exposing every aspect of their life. Whereas before it's an artist would let you in in some ways. But because of that, I think one, people were a lot more skeptical, not only because of just like the economy around spending money for concerts, especially after you've seen your artists perform in different parts of their home, you know, you've seen the virtual concerts. Now the artist has to figure out how are they going to top that? How are they going to convince their fan base to come out and spend money and see them in person and, you know, potentially be exposed to COVID? There are so many different sides to this, but I think at the end of the day, it is really important that we've made this headway through technology and that it's, it ended up opening a lot more doors and exposing a lot more people to what the music industry is like, how to get into it. And yeah, I, I think it, it has been mostly good, but you just have to end up figuring out how to use everything to your benefit with all of these tools that exist today. I also think with the pandemic, though, it also made us realize how much we really do love live music. Because yeah. having been to some live music since pandemic time or lockdown times, and the energy is so different. You really, between what's on a screen, and even if you're watching a great, look, and I, you know, watch great concerts on TV, and they're still enjoyable, but there is a difference between there. being there in person and watching yes. it after the fact. Yes, I 100% agree. The energy is unmatched in person. It, it's the sole connection that you get to make with the artist, with the people around you. There's no way that you can re replicate the live music experience. And it's been just interesting to talk to my friends, my loved ones, and just other people in the music industry. And so many folks are still making sure that, you know, even though they might have cut a lot of things out of their budget, people are still going to shows. Just looking at this Beyonce tour, it was so funny. I remember when she dropped You Won't Break My Soul or Break My Soul, and folks were commenting once she dropped the tour dates and the price of those tickets. And folks were like, in the song, Break My Soul, you're talking about, you know, quitting your job and not being bogged down by things. So I hope these ticket prices are going to be, <laughs> are going to reflect that because I quit my job because of this song. But you're still seeing these dates selling out and ticket prices are minimum, like $200. I was going to say, to be fair, she's kept them in check. So yeah. Yes. 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 So um, this is a testament to the fact that people will always go to shows. There will always be value in it. It's still one of the main revenue drivers in the music industry for an artist. Getting on tour has the potential to be the biggest revenue earner in a year for an artist. So it, it will always be a thing, I think. And I, I hope as a tour manager, it will right. be. <laughs> can, you, can you expand on that a little bit? Just because if people are not really thinking about, you know, back in the day, artists made money from record sales, CD sales. That was the more basic, yeah. much more than any kind of sales, especially because of the streaming. Can you kind of expand on that, on why that model has shifted? Yeah, I think honestly, it's because of one, like streaming. Streaming exists now. So having record sales, like people aren't buying CDs the way that they used to on a release day for an artist back in the day. You know, you would see lines down the street for people to, to get that CD or get that vinyl. And now everything is just digital. So the way that people are consuming music is through these subscriptions to these platforms like Spotify, like Apple. 
you know, so I think because everything is so accessible now, the revenue model had to change. So artists are making, you know, 0.00 on the penny, on the dollar for each stream that, you know, is, is being consumed. But that's not how you're going to make a living in this industry. So I think it's really important that artists, one, diversify what they're putting out into the world. So artists are making money through touring. They're making money through their merchandise. A lot of artists are kind of dipping their toes in other areas of just the entertainment industry, whether they're breaking into acting or, you know, they're selling a book or they're doing more speaking engagements. You have to diversify in order to really make larger sums of money. So I would say that the reason that things have shifted is because the way we operate in the world has shifted. We have completely changed the way that we live our lives. And I think that has just been a reflection of that. I do want to say, too, when I buy merch, now I always try to make sure I go to the artist's website and buy directly from their yes. merch store because <laughs> knockoff stuff is <laughs> oh my god, It is terrible. I am a huge fan. Kid Cudi is one of my absolute favorite artists. And I remember wanting to go and buy one of his sweatsuits. What was it? I think it was 2020 or 2021. And his website was completely sold out. And I ended up doing some searches for it. And there were so many sites that popped up making duplicates of his merchandise. And I was just like, this is crazy. I'm not going to buy a duplicate, some ripoff merch from someone. You know, I want to support the artist. Yes, I want to have the merch and I want to look cool. But like at the end of the day, if it isn't going into Kid Cudi's pocket or the, the artist's pocket that I want to support, then I'm just not going to buy it. So I think it's really important to support that artist so that they can continue to make music. Exactly. Yeah, what you said, go straight to the artist's site. You know, if you can go to the show, go straight to the merch booth, you know, when you get to the show type thing, because I think that that all goes a really, really long way. What do you think needs to be done to increase visibility for women of color in the music industry, especially in the jobs outside of performing? Mm, yeah, I think that spreading the word is key. You know, we've been talking about technology and access and there being more exposure than ever before. I think we just need to continue to further the conversation around the fact that these jobs exist. And I think something that's amazing that I've been seeing is these job boards that are popping up now for entertainment industry positions that weren't a thing. Like that was never on Indeed when I was you know, graduating from undergrad, but it is a thing now. So I think making sure that we continue to put opportunities online have that visibility and that exposure. I also think amazing organizations like my own Get a Room Productions, where I'm specifically on a mission to expose more women of color to the live side of the music industry, to tour management, to the different jobs that, that even exist in touring. You don't have to be a tour manager. You can be a production manager. You can be an art director. You can be the person that is the choreographer. You know, you can learn how to do mixing and just how audio and sound works. You can be the, the lighting director. You know, there are so many jobs that exist that people don't even know the names of. So I think that's another big thing. There are a lot of other great organizations outside of Get A Room Productions, Fem It Forward, that does an internship every summer where they literally look for women of color to mentor and they pair them with incredible women across the board in the music industry. So you can literally learn about any of the jobs that exist. And these women are put in a position to try to help their mentees really get to the next level and expose them to different things. 
organizations like Diversify the Stage that's literally on the same mission as well. So I think all of these things make a really huge difference and it's just all about exposure because there's plenty of room for all of us and even more of us should have opportunities in the space and there is space for all of us. So I think it's really just continuing to communicate that and trying to spread the word. Education is absolutely key. What advice do you have for a young girl who's dreaming of going into the music industry? She doesn't know what she's going to do yet. I know internships was one of the things you recommended, but yeah. what else would you recommend for someone who's dreaming of, I'm maybe, and really does actually go, you know what, maybe I do want to be a tour manager. Or maybe I just want to be, a, you know, a manager in general and have yeah. artists that I help out. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, I think trial and error is so important, getting as many industry experiences experiences as you possibly can, as many internships, assistant positions as possible. But other than that, I would really say just don't be afraid to try new things, make mistakes. We all make mistakes. That will continue as long as you live. So I think that is something that I needed to be told when I was much younger because it's so easy to be intimidated by, you know, folks that are more accomplished than you and you don't want to embarrass yourself or what have you. But in roles like these, the way that you learn and become accomplished is by just diving in headfirst, especially tour management. But so many other jobs in this industry are experience-based. In order for you to become better, you simply have to do it. You have to face the different challenges, the different problems, and figure out how you work. You have to figure out how you communicate with people. You have to figure out how you problem solve, how you work under pressure as well. All of these things are a human thing across the board, whatever industry you're in. I think it's important to know these things about yourself, especially in the music industry, in a place where, you know, there's a lot of elements out here. You know, it, it, there's drugs, there's alcohol. Like you have to be very secure in who you are and make sure that you're continuing to just get to know yourself and putting yourself in situations where you're surrounded by people that you trust as well. So I think that's really key. And something that I've learned over the years is just that fear gets you nowhere, honestly. You have to have courage. You have to take leaps of faith, but have a plan. Think ahead. Try not to do anything that makes you uncomfortable. It's okay to stand your ground. And honestly, it's encouraged. People will really rate you for that. And I think at the end of the day, you will be proud of yourself for that. And that's just a part of the learning and the growing that you can do. So you know, at the end of the day, take action, but just know that you got this, continue to work hard, do your best, show up, because at the end of the day as well, the music industry is a people industry. In order to get jobs and further your career, the more people you know, the better off you'll be. I've never applied for a job in touring. It's all been based on relationships that I have. So I think it's just really important to make sure that your your true authentic self and you're, you're just putting your best foot forward, really putting yourself out there. Network, network, network. Yeah, you got this. Fantastic advice. Last question. What was the first album that you bought yourself with your own money that you can remember? Oh, my gosh. I think it was, like, Beyonce's album, the one where she's, like, this. And <laughs> in the, like, silver. I'm looking it up right now. She's literally in the silver crystal outfit. I will never forget that. Oh, the one with uh, Crazy in Love? Yes. Why am I forgetting the name? Is it Crazy? Um, I don't think it's, an, is that the name of the album? Dangerously in Love. Oh, oh there we go. my gosh. Erin, that is such a throwback. Holy cow. Yeah. 
Dangerously in Love was the first album that I bought, and I was just obsessed with because the picture, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? It was Beyonce. She had Jay-Z on that album, Sean Paul, Missy Elliott. It was just crazy. Like, Luther Vandross, it was such an epic album, and that was 2003. She was in her solo career era. That was absolutely I think that's the first one from the solo. That's right. Isn't that the first After Destiny's Child? Yeah. Holy cow. Yes. So that was the first one, the first album that I ever bought. And then the other album that also just like changed the game for me was Rihanna's when she first popped out. So I was just, oh my God. I remember thinking I was Rihanna. I was like, who am I? It was the one where she had, if it's loving that you want, you should come right. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She some of those back in the Super Bowl show. Oh my gosh, she did such a great job with the Super Bowl mm-hmm. show. Pregnant too. Oh, who are you? <laughs> oh my gosh, Music of the Sun. How can That's I say right. Yes, that was 2005. So Dangerously in Love, Beyonce, first album I bought, and Rihanna, 2005, Music of the Sun changed my life. And you know what? <laughs> she's a perfect example of an artist who has stepped into other things because she has her entire makeup empire. Makeup, apparel. Yeah, all the stuff. Feeling. So I'm like, shout out Robin Fenty for sure. And just all of the amazing women like yourself in this business and just trying to encourage more women to just branch out and, and be creative and go against the mold a little bit. Make their way. Make their way. Trailblaze. Okay. Felicia Bennett, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you for having me, Erin. Oh, this was great. To all of you tuning in, thank you for joining us on the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. Support live music, buy merch directly from the artist, and thank people making the magic happen at shows if you have a moment. Here's our closing theme song by Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. Till next time, this is Erin Prather Stafford. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true.